Welcome to Behold, a podcast about beholding Jesus and becoming like Him. In this episode of Behold, Tyler Hardy sits down with Hope and Kevin Valle to talk about God's ultimate purpose and how God's purpose changes the way we should live our day-to-day lives. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to episode one of our new podcast called Behold. And we're so excited you're joining with us today in this conversation. And today I've got my friends Hope and Kevin Valle, and uh, we're just so privileged to have them here today, get to hear some of their story. Uh, But today we're gonna be talking about our purpose and really God's ultimate purpose uh, for our lives. And so hopefully it'll be beneficial as you tune in today. So Hope and Kevin, thanks for being here. Uh, Before we jump into it, just give me, I like to say, give me the kind of 60, 90 second flyover, just kind of individually, who you guys are, what you're about. Yeah. Well, my name is Hope, and this is my husband, Kevin. We have been coming to this church for about 10 years now for me. Um, Fun fact, I'm actually three years older than Kevin, so robbing the cradle over here. But um, we've been at this church for a long time. I came here to A&M for my undergrad and my master's degree. Kevin is a firefighter and paramedic for the city of Bryan. He's very proud of the mm-hmm. fact that he works for Bryan. Mm-hmm. And um, I currently am a stay-at-home mom with our daughters. We have twin daughters who are one year old, 14 months old. And they're a handful. They're amazing. Yeah, they're so, so sweet. So awesome. So, but I have a master's degree in international development, and that is what I'm truly passionate about. Yeah. So hoping to start working in that industry before too long. But that's kind of... Yeah what we're about these days. Very cool. Yeah, that's well said. Well, you know, just to, just to honor you guys again, uh, y'all have been here for a long time, and we just appreciate y'all coming on today to share a little bit, just your story. And I didn't think about the fact that, Hope, I know you've been here 10 years. Kevin, how long have you been here? 2012, so like eight. Eight years. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time in the adult life. Yeah. Uh, so just for <laughs> privilege, you guys have spent a lot of those adult years here and even your formative college years, I would say. So, okay, well, hey, let's just jump into it. So, again, we want to talk about God's ultimate purpose yeah. today. And so maybe, Kevin, just, you know, when I say that phrase, kind of, what what comes to mind to you if, if I would say, hey, Kev, like, what is God's ultimate purpose for your life? Kind of how would you unpack that? Yeah, so really, just very frankly, I feel like the purpose of my life, and it's, you know, taken years to feel like, for me to be receptive to what God has been speaking, and not just revealing through His Word, but through His Spirit and saying that mm-hmm. my life is all about becoming more like Jesus and making Him known. And... I think really maybe a few years ago I really got that and to enough to where I got it tattooed on my arm to say Let's go. Come on, show yeah everybody. I can show I don't know which camera to show but he is for it's real right there. he's not he's not so one of those things if you were, if you, were okay. you know just if you forget or if I forget then it's such a good reminder but no really it, it that has been like something that has really been helpful not just the tattoo but in my heart to understand yeah. that and no matter what I'm doing no matter where I'm at with my family and I know we'll get into it but work family being a husband, like I just want to make Christ known, and yeah. you do that by becoming like Christ. And so, yes. uh, understanding that that is the ultimate purpose of my life, and now being married is our life and for our children. Yes. Like that is what we want to instill in them: is that hey, there's a lot of awesome things about our world, and but most importantly, like to become like Jesus and to make Him known is like what is like first and yes. foremost. So, I'd say that's our purpose. So Hope, just for you, you know, I know a little bit about your kind of family and, and background, but just, you know, when when would you say it kind of dawned on you, 
like, I don't know, where was that crossroads moment dawned on you? Hey, like, I think that I'm living for something more yeah. than just me, what I see around me and my friends. We all have that, we all have that point in time to when we kind of have, we're at that fork in the road or, or, you know, we're in high school and everything's, we can grab after things. But when, when do you feel like kind of going back in time that you kind of said, you know what, I think, I think I'm going to be about this. Yeah. So I've had, I think, two defining moments in my life kind of on that path and the first did come when I was in early high school I think I was maybe 14 years old and um, at the time I was raised in a Christian home and my parents had great theology and were just did an amazing job of coaching us in meeting God you know Um, but I still was struggling with the purpose question I mean really that question was the at the core of um, my spiritual struggle and just feeling I was I have always been pretty analytical and um, pretty skeptical by nature and I would I don't know I just got to start wondering like okay were we even created by a, a being who intended us for anything specific or are we a set of reproducing cells that just came from nowhere and is going nowhere mm-hmm. and <laughs> um and so i mean it's pretty heady stuff for like a 14 year old i look back now and i'm yeah, like i was oh not thinking gosh, about 14. i think <laughs> about hot dogs and hamburgers <laughs> i don't, know. I don't really know why but um it was amazing because it kind of forced the point you know sure. like at a young age where I was like, okay, I'm going to decide whether I'm about this or not. And so I feel like that was a pretty critical turning point for me. I went on my first mission trip around that age and not maybe like the smartest idea to do when you're like kind of struggling with your faith. But for me, it turned out to be the grace of God because um, going on that trip, and I mean, it was a very evangelism-oriented trip. Mm -hmm. I just, I think I heard myself preach the gospel for the first time Mm -hmm. and I believed it more in that moment than I ever had. And uh, and so that was really pivotal for me when I realized like, okay, I believe this and I believe it so much that it's something that I, I really do wanna devote my life to sharing with with people and to, to knowing God and making him known. Mm. So that was huge. Wow. I didn't really know how to do that. Sure. So fast forward, you know, four-ish years, came to A&M and, and found this community. And this was the first time I had found a group of people who were, yeah living that way and um i remember hearing the story of this uh woman who's at our church and uh it's actually i'll just well yeah it's corey cordemont she's amazing i don't she i've told her that this story changed my life she doesn't remember this you know (laughs) but i was a freshman and i remember her her telling me the story of how she was on a bus and she um felt prompted by god to stand up Mm. and share the gospel this is a classic (laughs) story you know but to me, it was it was like mind-boggling, you know. I was like, I can't believe she did that. <laughs> She's so bold, and and really, I mean, the main point was obedience, right? It's yes. not like, oh, we all right. need to do that exact mm-hmm. thing. She she just was learning to hear the voice of God and mm-hmm. obey in boldness, and that made a huge impact on me. And I remember that was one of the moments where I I was like, okay, this is a community I can run with, mm-hmm. um, who are committed to to this mission. So. Those, uh, you know, not just that moment, but that whole season, really, college, the first couple years of college, and was extremely formative for me. Wow. I love that. I love someone else's boldness kind of causing you to say, are are they crazy? Or maybe I should do the same thing, (laughs) you know? I love that. Um, Kevin, what about you, man? Just kind of, you know, 
Uh, obviously, you care enough to get it tattooed mm -hmm. on your arm, yeah. uh, which makes me feel a little insecure. Maybe I need to <laughs> do something here. But yeah. Hey, boldness can then you <laughs> know, inspire another. You know, this podcast, I might rethink some things. But, <laughs> it, um, uh, but, you know, I think that just as a hope sharing that, just kind of maybe just share a little bit about that from your own story. Just where did you hit that crossroads? Where, as you said at the beginning, hey, I, I, I want to really follow Jesus and make him known. Like, yeah. where did that kind of really settle in for you? Yeah, I think for me— so I, I had a similar yet different, you know, we can all say that journey in that grew up, same thing, Christian home, went to church, you know, three times a week and knew a lot of about God, uh, but did not. I mean, one of the stories I even remember, I went to Impact back in 2012, which mm -hmm. is great. I don't know if that's still around, but it was awesome. But I yeah. remember they did a breakout session. They were like, you know, we're going to go do the quiet time. And I walked away and I remember texting a friend like, so we're supposed to just sit silently. <laughs> you know, I'm being funny, but they're sure. like, "You're joking, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, of course." Super insecure because I'm like, sure. "I don't." And so I, I sat. Exactly what we're doing. I sat in silence for an entire hour, <laughs> not praying, not meditating. It was like <laughs> I did not know what to do. I thought, I'm, "Yeah, like we're supposed to be silent." So that really shows, you know, at 17, didn't know what relationship meant, right. didn't know what yes. spending time with God meant. And so, really, for me, you fast forward, and my parents did a really good job too of a lot of good fundamentals, a lot of good work mm -hmm. ethic, but I just didn't understand the relationship part. Yep. And so it wasn't until I got to this community, and I mean, I've been here eight years now, and, and I love every second of it, but I think for me it was a moment where I was just doused with community, doused with amazing people yep. for a semester, so back in 2012, 2013, and then I quickly went into the basic training for the Army. Mm -hmm. And that really is where it was all stripped away. Mm -hmm. And I realized quickly like, wow. And I remember like trying to spend time with God because I'd learned, but I'd be in the laundry room in the middle of the night because your days were from about 4 a.m. to about 10 p.m. And then, you know, you try to sleep. And anyway, I just remember I clung a lot to, to the Psalms of David mm -hmm. where he would just either lament or pour his heart out. But I realized like, wow, community is amazing. Other like brothers and sisters are amazing and it's, it's actually needed. But what's most important is me and God connecting mm -hmm. and me and God, like him fully sustaining me. Yeah. And so those, I mean, I was gone for about only four months, which is pretty short, but <laughs> being disconnected from the outside world, sure. being disconnected from everything and your community, everything that you fell in love with, it really showed, okay, when everyone's away, what really matters and what's going to matter to me. And so for me, it, it took that moment to say, I need God and I need him for so many different things, right? Identity, all these different things. But I knew is relationship with God being, you know, sanctified by him. Yep. And, you know, I learned how to just be like Jesus. And, you know, it wasn't pretty, but I was very different than a lot of mm -hmm. my peers. I mean, we're with, I don't even remember, 60 to 80 other, you know, G.I. Joe people. <laughs> and you're all, you know, cramped into this one room to sleep yep. and you get to know about a lot of people mm -hmm. and a lot of people's past, you know? And so I just remember throughout basic training being faced with, you know, they'd have certain conversations and they'd be like, well, what about you, Valle? And I was like, no, I don't like doing that. You know, and trying to learn how to defend, but my faith yet just be open about my faith. Sure. And it just, sure. it was really opening for me and eye opening and just revealing to be like, wow, I not only don't have anyone to lean on, but God, mm -hmm. but I'm called to be set, like set apart and different. And what does that mean? And so just learned a lot during basic training of like, my faith is real and God, like relation with God is real. And I, it was so fun to begin to make him known in ways that I didn't think were maybe the most 
natural or the most, you know, just like yeah. usual. Yeah. Um, but throughout those four months, I mean, I can't tell you how many of those personal conversations I'd have with a guy where they're like, man, you said this a couple of weeks ago yeah. and it stuck with me. Or like, why do you do the way, you know, why do you live the way you live? Or, yep. And they'd want to inquire because they were hungry and they were interested. And they, what they're interested in was relation with God and how to, you know, become like Jesus. And so yeah. um, I think that was a big turning point mm. for me that, okay, it's possible to be in the world. It's possible to be uh, in a, a worldly job or, you know, just serving in a place and fulfill the calling. And so God really woke that up in me, you know, that summer of 2013 to say, hey, this is possible with me and with community. And so from then, the last seven years or eight years uh, has just been that journey of Mm -hmm. how in different seasons and different ways can I continue to live out that purpose? So I think God really woke that and and birthed that fire in me at basic training. So good good old Missouri. I have to Man, think. Man, that's powerful. For, <laughs> I've never, hey, listen, I've been to camp with like 40 smelly teenagers, you know, but <laughs> not like 60, 80 grown dudes that are just yeah. waking up and uh, trying to learn how to be in the military. That's yeah, wild. No. Um, it's different. You know, I, I and, and I love what you said, just how, you know, you realize in that season, you you couldn't lean on any other human. Yeah. You had to lean in on the Word of God, had to lean on God, like on Him, and you know, how many times people feel like that, where it's like they look up, maybe they're in their family, and they're the only person following yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And it's like they go home for Christmas, and it's, you know, they don't really know what Christmas is about, where it's about gifts and food, but here you are, and it's like all your family, you're the only person, yeah. and you feel a little stuck, you know, and I think it's really cool how you chose to take that opportunity to say, well, I'm going to press into the Psalms, I because mm. I got nowhere else to turn, you yeah. know, and I, I love you saying that. Um, you know, I think uh, maybe just, you know, obviously you guys are, how long have you been married for? How many years? Two and a half. Two and a half. Today yeah. is our three-year anniversary from when we started dating. Wow. Well, that's so fun. That, that gives you our timeline. dating three years ago, got married. <laughs> Everybody watching, you just got and you just got in the inside yes. circle right yeah, here there it is. with the Valles. Okay, so that's, wow, that's been a... A lot's happened last few years. I feel like. Um, <laughs> so, so okay. So uh, let me maybe ask, ask it this way. So, obviously, we're talking about okay, God's ultimate purpose. Here we go. We're talking about to be like Jesus, to make Him known. So, um, uh, so maybe hope. Speaking of this a little bit, just on okay. You know, you you chose to go through to, to get your master's. And so, you know, sometimes I think that, that, that people think that maybe even as Christians, we say, hey, well, of course I know, like being a Christian is to be Christ-like. So of course I know, it's kind of like a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. But I think that people struggle with the application of actually being Christ-like. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it, it, it's kind of like when we talk about prayer. I know I should pray. I don't really right. know how to do that. Mm-hmm. But I know it's a good thing to do. So I know being Christ-like is the right thing. But how do I do that if it's not in church or mm-hmm. like at a Bible study or mm-hmm. if I'm like, can you actually, is that an everyday thing? So maybe just talk a little bit about you getting your master's, you graduate from A&M, you go into grad school. Just maybe unpack a little bit about that in terms of, okay, God's ultimate purpose slash how are you being like Christ while going through grad school? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, they go through education, whether it's high school, college yeah. or beyond. So how do you how do you really become more like him when you're there in the academia world? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's interesting. When I went to grad school, I think I subconsciously thought that it would be 
a lot of people just like me in my program, mm. you know? Um, so I studied international development. I mean, it's a, it's a public service school that I went right. to here. And so it's definitely going to attract the sort of people who are, they're not trying to make a million dollars, you know, it's, sure. it's not a money-making industry, but people who just have a tender heart, a bleeding heart for the world and the people who are needy in the world, which is the those who live in underdeveloped countries. And so I kind of thought there would be a lot of Christians and a lot of um, people who were like very serious and devoted to this. And mm. I mean, I was kind of just surprised to find out that it was just ordinary people who were kind of stumbling their way through life who there were some christians but majority were not and um which was really fascinating because i was wondering to myself what is your motivation you know Mm. why do you want to pour out your life for people who are so needy and not get anything in return but um it was really good for me because it just made me realize like okay uh in every single industry, every mm. single one, not just, you know, we all kind of think, oh, Wall Street, that's where all like the sure. bad sure. secular yes. people are, you know, <laughs> greedy people. You know, it's like, no, every single industry, even the yes. one that is driven by compassion, mm. there are people yeah. working in that industry who are so needy themselves. And, mm. wow. and you know, and before they start their careers, they go to school just like you, just like yes. you. So uh, I think that was really, really good for me. And I mean, I think work ethic was a huge thing. If you mm. if you try to think what kind of language do these people speak? If they're not spiritual themselves mm. and they're not Christians themselves, what do they understand? Well, they understand if you have a good work ethic mm-hmm. and if you are just good at your job, good at, at yeah. you know, in class and, and being responsible, being a good group mate and things like that. And so I really tried very hard to, to be excellent um, and try to uh, minister to people that way, you know? Yes. and have a positive attitude oh my goodness negativity (laughs) in school is just like it's like people just live off of Mm. coffee and negativity and they're like i don't know just think that they can suck something out of the people around them by Mm. complaining and um it's so rampant and so for you to make a very deliberate stand against that that's a testimony like that is um you are showing people jesus Yes, yes totally Yes. And I've got a lot of people asking me about that, you know, mm-hmm. like, how how are you not crumbling under the stress and pressure of finals? Yes. They're about to, you know, destroy our life and <laughs> just get to tell them. And while you're like six months pregnant. Yeah, I was pregnant. So. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> you're just pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Yes. But you just get to tell them. I, I mean, seriously, I had so many conversations that went like this. I was like, well, actually, I have a sense of meaning and purpose that is not based on my performance. And I know that God is real and he loves me no matter how I do. Mm. And people, it just is like, like that blows their mind. And then you're able to share more with them about Jesus. So yeah, way to go. Well, it sounds like, which is nothing new, but especially I think this day and age, we live in a very critical day and age. I mean, not just critical thinking. I I, I think it's just become critical. It's just become negative, right? Um, And, you know, Kevin, I know that you're a firefighter, mm-hmm. and um, and it, although different, but it seems like maybe some similar environments you're in of, hey, there's negativity and that oh, kind yeah. of stuff, right? So just, oh, yeah. I mean, okay, so here you are. I mean, 
you are a man's man. You're a firefighter. Like every, you know, every little boy's dream is like, can I get on the ladder and drive mm. the big red truck? I've yeah. never met a little boy who doesn't want to go get on the fire truck. Yeah, you know, they all mind it. They, they want to go on it. You know, um, they don't know the work that goes into it. Right, yeah. <laughs> they just sign up. Okay, so you're a firefighter right now. I mean, how, like, how are you actually um, demonstrating? Like Christ likeness. Mm. I mean, you're, you're, it seems like you're motivated. Like you're in the, you know, you did the, you talked about the four monks of basic training. You are motivated mm -hmm. to be like Jesus, even in the midst of an environment that's very difficult. Yeah. And now insert yourself for your job. And it's not that, I mean, there's some great guys and stuff, but like it's an intense environment. And it's, it's not even just the guys you work with, it's, it's the calls you're making. I mean, it is. It is life and death, and it's false alarms, mm -hmm. and it's every day. I think you shared with me once that, I don't know, you said something to the effect of, you know, if, if everybody in America saw the text that I get about the emergency calls and trauma going on, they would just be undone. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I think it's fair. I don't think I want to get all those texts, yeah. you know, because yeah, I don't know if so. I can handle that. <laughs> but so, but I mean, help us understand, like, how are you handling that with the pressure the life and death reality, the coworkers, that environment, you do these 24 hour crazy shifts, whatever, I mean, just mm -hmm. unpack, man, where are you finding Jesus in that? And how yeah. are you able to keep your head up, not just above water, but but where you're free, kind of like Hope is saying, where they look and they're like, man, what is, what's wrong with you? Or what's different about you, you know? Yeah, man, so that, I could probably take like a whole hour on, on it, you know, as it is, you know, but uh, no, honestly, um, it is, it has been very, you know, I keep saying eye opening and really one of the phrases I feel like God had given me a couple months back yeah. or maybe it was a year ago now, but he gave me this sweet phrase of how he has a lot of invitation um, for, for me in my life at that time. So it was like, right when we had our kids and I feel like over and over again, God would just share that all the time throughout whether it's work or at home, he is constantly extending invitation. And so that is very real in my job where there's constant moments where I have an invitation from God to either be like Jesus, you know, and walk by the spirit or do things that I feel called or that I know are right um, and that would honor God or reject an invitation and just walk mm -hmm. in my flesh or, or fall into the gossip or, you know, the, the negativity yes. mindset or anything like that. And so that is constant throughout the 24 hour period. Uh, I mean, I, I've, like I said, I could go on and on, but there, I feel like I've become more aware of even just our spiritual realm. You know, we don't talk about that a lot. It can be kind of weird. But in my job, I feel like the spiritual realm is so real yes. that, I mean, we have we have sayings, right? In public service or even really in emergency medicine, superstition, all sorts of those things, like mm. what you say or what you don't say, those are very real things. And so people have phrases like black cloud or a white cloud. and. And anyway, I just have learned so much even about more of God and like how I can, you know, the authority of God, asking things of God. So all those things that you just, you learn wow. so much. But one of the things I feel like got highlighted as you were asking that in, in that sense of, okay, how do I do this? Where's the invitation here? Yeah. I mean, and be able to take that second. So obviously I believe it's, you know, John 15 is very real. It's like, if I'm not abiding in God, like especially before work, you know, attaching myself to the vine, I will drown. I mean, and, and Hope could attest, I mean, there are days that have been harder than others, but even just not, whether it's calls 
or internal conflict, mm. uh, but like the spiritual weight or the spiritual attack really is so real that is like if you are not, if I do not attach myself to God, whether it's like sure. getting time with Him in the morning or throughout my day, playing worship music on, you know, all those little things that can just seem like the mundane or yeah, yeah, you do that as a Christian. That is like my lifeline, and it's so real because I notice the days that if I'm not attached, right. I will. I mean, it's not good. Like even just like I'm not saying like, and I say not good. Like I'll just feel like maybe a sense of depression, or you know, like you'll feel these sure. things because of what's actually going on around you. So that was been has been really real in learning. Wow, I have to abide and attach myself to the vine because I, I will mm. not be able to properly function whether it's on a call to a, a patient, to my fellow coworker, my partners, my station, my crew, everyone, my wife when I come home. Right. So. Those invitations are constant, so mm-hmm. being attached to the vine has been huge. And like I said, and then just being open to what the Holy Spirit has to say. And the one story I feel like God reminded me, and if I can shorten it, but there was a moment where I felt like we were on a call, and it wasn't nothing traumatic, but something needed to be done, and I didn't do it as my operator had expected me to, to do it, or how he would have had it done. Yeah. How it led was something didn't get done, we get in the engine, it's all four of us, and he just starts I mean, ripping me a new one in front of everyone. You know, like we have these headsets on and he's just like, why would you do that? Why, you know, just kind of ripping me a new one. I was like, you know, and I felt one, my first invitation was like, okay, just, you know, that sense of turn the other cheek, like you just let it ride. Sure, right, right. Where all of you wants to like defend yourself, be private, yes. you know, and be like, I'm also a man too, you know? And, <laughs> and so I just let it go and run its course and, and we get to the station and this is like hour three of a 24-hour period. So it's yeah, like, it's gonna be a long we're not going here. anywhere for another <laughs> sure. 22 hours or whatever, 21 yeah. hours. So, but the second invitation, it was really sweet, but you know, and, and I knew his heart, but the guy next to me, who's he's a more veteran than I am, but he kind of wanted to build this camaraderie of like, hey, you don't need to listen to him. I said, hey man, I know where you're coming from, but I don't want to talk about him mm. while he's gone, because he had already left the, the engine. Yep. So that was like my invitation number two of like, hey, let's honor him still, because he's not here, you don't need to gossip about him or anything like that. So little things, but those quick yes. moments to say, okay, I don't need to talk to you about him. I appreciate you extending help. I'm going to go take care of this. You know. So my third invitation was go talk to him. You know, that's where you start to like, ah, I don't really want to obey or listen, uh, you know, uh, or, or right. be humble. And and really, how it ended was I, I go to the, you know his office. I knock on his door. I said, hey man, can I can I talk to you real quick? And I did, I felt an invitation not to close the door. I was just going to leave it open. Mm-hmm, I sit down. Mm-hmm. And how it started was I said, hey. I want to just tell you, really, one, I'm not justifying myself, but I'm going to place honor on you real quick, you know, mm-hmm. which that's not a phrase that we would use no, in my no. field, you know. <laughs> and so I just start to say, hey, I'm going to place honor on you. This is how I view you as an operator and others view you as an operator. And, you know, I just not puffing yes, him up. I said, sure. this is what I've seen. And I respect how you work and your work ethic and all these things. And you're a leader and all these things. And I'm placing honor on honor and honor. And then I said, but now I'm going to tell you, not in a way of justifying myself, but I want you to know what my thought process was. And so I just share my heart, you know, and say, hey, this is kind of why this went down. And so anyway, we have this conversation and literally has this moment where you could just tell like these blinders fell off. And he's like, I am so sorry that mm. I did that to you. Wow. You know? And he's like, wow. I have never had anyone tell me from that way how they, how they were thinking. You know, and he just started to uh, repent essentially and be like, I, will you forgive me for like taking it that way? And, and so I just got to say, hey, of course. Wow. And I said, look, I was like, I understand we're going to be working together for another 21 hours. 
I didn't want this to, because that's that's how that happens, right? That mm. seed of bitterness or just, or judgment or whatever, there. and like, yeah, yeah. and then guys carry that for twenty years, mm. where they'll bring up, hey, remember that guy? And you're like, I don't like that guy. And you're like, right. why? You, know, you right. don't really know. Yes. Well, it's because he chewed you out twenty years ago in the engine, yes. you know. And so, what was really sweet is we we mended, we repented, we forgave each other. And it was like, hey, you know, we're gonna do better next time. I now know how you think. You know how I think. Let's cool. do better. Right? We're on the same yeah. team. I walk out, and that same guy who was trying to connect with me, literally, he was like, I've been here fifteen years. I've never heard a new guy go to an operator and, and, and do what you did. And you could tell it just, it blew his mind. And so mm. like in matter of oh. minutes, I felt like heaven came to earth yes. for a yeah. second because of many invitations, so you know? Sure. And that is like all day, every day, in Come so on. many different ways. But those are those moments that I don't accept every invitation, you know, mm. with a happy heart. I don't accept right. them with joy every time. But when God begins to reveal his faithfulness through those moments, you start to see the outweighing of, I want to choose those invitations because yes. it's it's bringing the presence of God, it's ushering in forgiveness and repent. All these things that we read about can be possible and attainable yep. if we choose to accept those invitations. Yes. So I think that was the biggest thing is if I'm not attached mm. and I'm not accepting his invitations, then I'm not going to be fulfilling his purpose. Yeah. You, know? you know, it sounds like you're just, I mean, I love hearing you. One, it's encouraging again to realize that no matter where someone's coming from or how hard an environment is, like um, God's in the business of of softening hearts. Mm, yeah. He's in the business of, an, and, and he's given us the playbook how to do it, which mm. is to humble ourselves. It says, right, God opposes the proud yes. and gives grace to the humble. Yeah. You humbled yourself when before your officer or operator and all of a sudden the door was opened. Yeah. It's like the door doesn't open with pride. Mm-hmm. It's always shut. But the door opens with humility. Oh, yeah. So I love, I love you sharing that. And I think just to reiterate, man, I love the, the, the mindset of whether it's invitations or just looking for opportunities. Mm-hmm. And that what I hear both of you guys saying is, hey, whether I was in grad school or firefighter, what my job is, I'm looking for opportunities because there's opportunities every day. And I think that's a reminder for us as believers to understand that God is actually presenting opportunities, invitations, yeah. Every day. Like, there won't be a day that there's not one. Now, the question is, are we looking for them? Right. Are we kind of, you said, are we abiding in that John 15, or are we going to miss them? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I hear from you guys. Y'all are trying to position your lives and mindsets in a way to say, no, we're going to look for opportunities. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit of a waiting game, but I think you're, you're ready. That's what I hear you guys. Like, you're ready to pounce, you know, when, when something happens. Um, I kind of want to just kind of ask you guys a couple last questions here before we wrap up today. But um, one, we're going to get to your kids in a moment. Uh, So Kevin wants you to share that story you were mentioning beforehand in a moment. But uh, I think it's really, really powerful, you know, because I I think we we can minimize what it looks like to to be like Christ and to make him known and to kind of we kind of think, well, God's purpose is I must I must do this kind of big, glorious thing. But really, it's a bunch of little things adding up, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's the faithful and the little, right? It, he who is faithful and the little will be ruled over much. Yeah. It's the faithful steps day to day, which is what you hear you guys saying. So Hope, though, I, I can't let you get out of here mm-hmm. without sharing just a little bit of the window of like, okay, let's take the tattoo on Kevin's arm here, make him known. Mm-hmm. And I know you well enough to know that obviously, like, God has put in a way, like, God's heart for people who don't know him, who've never heard the gospel, never heard the story of forgiveness, 
is very much part of your life and your story this last decade. So maybe just share a little bit of just, a, bring us in a little bit of the journey, a couple decisions you made along the way in your life as like action steps, because we don't want to just talk. Mm -hmm. We want to be men and women of action. And so what are a couple of things you've done over the years to take steps to say, hey, I want to actually position myself to be in an environment to where I can make them know, yeah. known, maybe to people never heard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the first, the most obvious practical response to that question is that you, you have to put yourself around people who are lost. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to find unbelievers and let me tell you there are plenty of them you know they just might not everywhere you yeah. know they're probably yes. not in your life group they may be I, I hope you have at least one or two in your life group but um, most likely they're not and so I uh, you know uh, shortly after I got involved at Antioch when I came to college I started participating actually this might have even been before I, I started coming to the church but I picked up a flyer for the Atheist and Agnostic student group when I were at one of the MSC open houses or mm -hmm. something like that. And I started going to those meetings. I, I actually studied philosophy in my undergrad. And so I, I already mentioned I, I'm kind of heady in that way sometimes. And, yeah. um, and so I went there not to just to preach or whatever, but just to, to be around people who mm -hmm. had a radically different mm -hmm. worldview than my own. And I think... One of the biggest things that did for me was just break my heart for people who yes. don't know him. And so um, that was huge. That was one thing. Um, I fell in love with the nations uh, when I was in college and actually lived in uh, among a very unreached people group in East Asia for a year. Um, and this people group is actually not only unreached, but they are um, extremely oppressed right now and very marginalized. and. They kind of have like this. Their they have their prison walls are twofold in that their mm. government regime is a very anti-religion, but then also it's a Muslim people group, and so culturally they have that against yes. going against them. And anyway, it just feels impossible, you know, to mm. to to reach these people yeah. with the gospel. But I think that was also a hugely important experience for me, because living there, I was just confronted. Like I was confronted with my own doubt and, and asking myself like, can God reach these people? Yeah. Does he love them enough, you know, to, to die for them? And, and even, even while they're not turning to him and repenting. And so, um, I think those experiences again, just, and I'm kind of extreme in that way. I'm kind of yes. like, if I'm going Which for we it, love. let's go all the way. Yeah. But I think we could yeah. all do with a little bit more radical yes. action in our lives. And so just, you think somebody is, you know, quote unquote, too hard to reach with the gospel, mm. man, I encourage you to go after them. And we're looking for hunger. You know, you don't want to waste your time on someone who's not who's not hungry. But yeah. um, those experiences were extremely formative for mm. me. But I will say, you know, when I first moved to Asia, I remember within the first week I lived by myself you know, in my apartment on the 28th floor of this high rise, I did not speak the language. And I remember just sitting there and being like, okay, oh, well, what now? I'm, I'm a missionary. Like here I am, yeah, I'm a missionary. I'm and then it just kind of occurred to me, oh, you know what I'm doing here is I'm just living normal life. Mm, yeah. Like, I don't know, we have this stigma about sure. being a missionary, a full-time missionary. And you realize you're like, okay, it's just, 
you do your normal things. You get up and spend time with God and you go grocery shopping and you um, talk to your neighbors and you babysit your kids' friends or your friends' kids and things like that. And um, I kind of started realizing like, wow, I, I really could have done better to practice living intentionally in the U.S., you know, like it would have just, it would have mm-hmm. felt even that much more seamless yeah. overseas. And so now that I'm a stay-at-home mom, man, I think about that a lot mm-hmm. because, I mean, you talked about like, you mentioned it's a hundred tiny moments throughout your day. Um, but really that is what it is for me. I mean, I'm asking myself all the time, Kevin knows, <laughs> I'm just like, what am, what am I doing with my life? You know, I've had all these experiences and my heart set on fire and I got my yes. master's degree. And now I feel like I cook all day, you know? It's like <laughs> my kids wake up and they need a meal and then they take a nap and they wake up and they need a snack and then they need another meal and then they need a snack and a meal, you know? And you definitely know they're my kids because all three of us all eat the time, yeah. so much. But, I feel bad. man, I feel like I'm like, I, I feel like I'm wasting away. And so I, that conviction, yeah. you need, mm-hmm. you just need to know, you need to believe that I was made to do this, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, that I have purpose and meaning in my life, even yes. when it doesn't look like X, Y, or Z. Comparison will just destroy you. It yep. will even comparison to your own life, even comparison to my life five years ago versus what it is now. Like that is, that harms me. And, um, mm-hmm. but believing like, okay, everything, everything is meaningful. And um, when I spend time with God and show his love to my kids, when I'm kind to the cashier, uh, you know, these things are all yep. like contributing yeah, to all glorifying God and, mm-hmm. and making him known and advancing the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. and bringing it to earth. So mm-hmm. I think I just kind of went on a big tangent there. No, I, love, I love your tangents, you know, and, and there's a lot, I mean, there, there's a lot that you've experienced that yeah. I, that I think, a lot of people haven't, you know, and you have perspective of whatever the whatever the um, whatever the drawl is to life of a, minis- uh, of a missionary or ministry or people think about. Oh, I wish I was a pastor, and I'm like, I don't know if I don't know if you <laughs> want to do that. It's actually it's it's a little more difficult than maybe you think, you know. Um, that until we have those experiences, we don't have, we don't have that perspective. But I think in hearing you share. You know, uh, someone years ago shared with me is we started having kids, and and they said, you know, you have to remember, your greatest disciples will be your children. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones going to be with you when you're old. You know, and it hit me. Oh wow! Like, it, discipleship's a lot of work. Yeah. Like this parenting is a lot of work. It's not just feeding. It's the other hundred and one things you got to do to help them mature into yeah. a human that can live life and be okay. You know, and so it is an investment, and the majority of parenting is in the secret place. Yeah. Nobody sees. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. Especially for a mom, it's like the majority of that time is in the secret place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to encourage anyone listening out there, it's like, especially if you're a mom, it's like your reward, you get to, you get to, um, you get to see and tangibly experience some of the reward in your kids and life. But I really do think that reward is way greater in heaven. Mm. Just I, There's so many things that, because even your children will never know no. the sacrifice you made. Yeah. 
Um, but he does, you know, and I think that there is so much purpose in that and that, you know, your kids don't stay the same age forever. They actually get bigger every day. And then one day they just leave, <laughs> you know? So uh, I, I just want to encourage you guys. I think you're doing awesome. Maybe just one last thing and if any final thoughts for you guys. But, Kevin, just share a little bit about a story. As we're on to parenting and children, you know, especially when you have little kids, it can be kind of what am I doing, you know? But just let's tie it back in this theme of, okay, how are you going to be like Jesus as a dad with your tiny itty-bitty babies, you know? Like, yeah. g- give me, g- share with us yeah. that, that story you had. Yeah. So with that story, um, I'll just say the story first. So the, the example is, so we have twins, right? We, we've established that for people that didn't Born get that. on the same day. Same day. Two newborn infants. Yeah. Which, yeah, even in that was like, I was telling our life group, our guys, our discipleship group the other day, and they're, they're getting PhDs and trying to figure uh-huh. out kids and stuff. And I told them, you know, I was trying to use that illustration, even as Chris Pletcher used it. You know, decisions or obedience with God is like that sheet of paper. You know, you just you yes. pass it or that door frame, you, you step through and boom, you're like, it wasn't that hard. I was like, you know, I felt like for that was, oh, let's, we, okay, God, we'll have a kid. Right, we feel obedient. <laughs> yeah. She's finishing her totally degree, her masters, <laughs> all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, let's just step through the door. Oh, awesome! And then it was like two kids, and we we're like, I didn't think we were signing up for that. So, the example is, you know, the first four months of their life was definitely, I think, for us, but mainly for me, the hardest season of my life. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I've experienced. I mean, I've had hardships and stuff, but like, just the the toll of a being. Right, yeah. like the sleepless nights, this like you're pouring out to something that does not give back other than puke, poop, and crying, you know. And so uh, it, I hit, I think I just hit this point where in the fog, right, that's that's what I felt like. It was like, I mean, I'm not even working out. I'm not really eating well. We're just, we're in this yes. fog of trying to figure out parenting two kids. Mode. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I'm more like drowning mode. <laughs> but I just remember this moment where it, I don't know, maybe I got some time with God that morning or I don't remember the context, but I just remember one of my daughters, Rayma Truth, she's our firstborn. She looks pretty much like me. So I think that's, we have this bond, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. she was just losing it for, I don't know, you know, I, I think we had cleaned her, fed her, she had napped. But I think she might have been gone. For you know, maybe she stepped outside. I don't know. But I just remember I'm by myself with this itty bitty child. She's maybe a couple weeks or a month old, and she's just screaming. And it's those like you hear kids scream. It's one thing, but something about my own kid screaming. Mm. It like it. There's this point in the back of my head that just flares. And so anyway, I'm just I'm I I finally like I, I can't do anything else. I'm like I've done all that I can do. That I know what to do. And so I, in the midst of her screaming at me, I just, I pick her up and I'm looking at her face. I'm, I might be crying at this point. I cried <laughs> so many times, but I'm staring at Rama's face. And I was like, Rama, you are making me more like Jesus mm. every day. Wow. And I think what God was really doing in that moment was revealing to me that there's so much of me mm. that he is sanctifying and, and just purging yeah. that that's what I needed. Yeah. And you know, I, I was telling earlier, I was like, I thought I was a patient man, thought I had a lot of self-control. I'm very peaceful. I don't really get angry. Uh, but my kids, even in their first couple of weeks and couple of months of life, really exposed every weakness that I had. Mm-hmm. Everything that, was, that did not look like Jesus was just being exposed. Like I felt so transparent because of just the simple truth of parenting. 
And so that moment was really big for me to go, okay, this is one moment of just like jobs, everything we've talked about, this yeah. is one moment, one defining moment that there will be many more like it, mm-hmm. where through my children now is a new realm of mine, a new way to learn, I can choose to be more like Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Because I could, I could react in the flesh, I could do all these things that I know I shouldn't do, but I have this opportunity to love unconditionally, to pour out, to be humble, to be um, gentle, mm-hmm. you know, all these aspects of who Jesus was. Um, I have had so many since then, but that yeah. moment was huge for me to be like, okay, that's all she's doing. She's sharpening me, mm. whether she even knows it. Yeah, you know, sure. And I can't wait to share. I mean, I'll have to, I guess, share this podcast with her, but she'll know that story. I'm like, Rayma, like, sure. in the You're wake screaming, of your screaming, was sharp. Yes. It was just, it was getting those rough edges of my life is not my own. Mm. And I am solely here, not just to serve and support my wife and now my children and, you know, make him know those around me. But it's like, I want to be more and more like him yeah. through all of these moments. So. Yeah. That Man. is the the story of Rayma sharpening me. Man, uh, it's it's always just uh, sometimes it's overwhelming to think about you know our children and and their impact on us and the reality of what it takes in those early days. Mm-hmm. You know, I I can remember holding one of I forgot which one it was, <laughs> but uh, one of them and and it, it was. Every night trying to go to bed, um, they had to be consoled. And so it was one of us holding them like a football. And remember that you couldn't hold them on their back. They would just scream. The only way to get them to calm down, you had to flip them over, hold them on their tummy like a football. And I'd literally have to walk around like this. And I remember, I think it's where my back started getting bad, honestly. But <laughs> I'm walking around, and it's 30 minutes, it's an hour. And you're just like in your arm, and you're starting to think, God, this cannot be the way. Like, yeah. this just, you can't go forever. And, you know, eventually it stops and it changes everything. But I remember those days, and then even as you're sharing, it's made me think about, okay, like, as we are, as we're desiring to be more like Jesus, the reality is he knows us so well that even like, even like with my child, he knows if we need to be on our back or our tummy, you know? And he's that, he's that intimate, he's that close with us to even know when I put you in a situation or position or a job or I give you twins instead of one, mm. he probably knew one was too easy, yeah. <laughs> you know? And he's like, no, we, 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 gotta, we gotta get somewhere, you know? And he probably knew that he wanted to have these little, these little twins so that they could run up and run together and become besties, you know? He, he, he's beyond us, yeah. right? But yeah. for us at the moment, Lord, I'm drowning. <laughs> was this part of your plan? And if I could tell you, I'm honestly, there was a moment, again, I shared this with guys at Life Group, but I don't think this is too much, but I was going to take a shower, one of those moments, because it was the only place of like solitude. You know, <laughs> yes. it's like I'm alone, no one's screaming at me. and all I'm hearing is the <laughs> sure. rain of water sure. over me. But honestly, again, back to, the, I mean, I'm an emotional guy to some degree, but I remember just weeping one mm. time. Because I was like, I, I haven't eaten, I'm whatever, I mean, whatever my excuses yes. were. But I remember having this moment multiple times where I was like, God, you picked the wrong person. <laughs> Honestly. And I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. You know, in, the, in those moments, those hard moments, I was like, just remember telling God, I can't do this. And God would just so faithfully be like, I know. <laughs> you know, like alone, you can't do it. Right. But with me, right? If we're talking right. about this whole purpose, like you're not supposed to do it alone. Like not right. only did I give you a more than suitable helper who is yes. also feeling the same way you are, yes. but like I'm the most best helper that you need, right? Through the Holy Spirit and through all those things. So I, you remind me of that story too. Mm. I was like, 
man, there will be moments with whether it's your children, your job or whatever it might be in marriage. But like when you feel that point of like, I don't think I can do it. And we're like, well, that's okay for us to be that sober reminder of we are not supposed to do it apart, you know, just on our own brute strength. Right. Because we can kind of get lost. I think in our culture, too, it's like the bootstrap imagery. And so anyway, that in the process of, of making him know and being like Jesus, it's like you should and will probably get to a moment we were like, I don't think I was made for this. But understanding that it was only by God's yeah. design yep. to make you more yep. like his son. Because that's, I mean, Amen. Yeah, so. Well, guys, it's been so helpful to hear from you all today. Hope, any final thoughts? Any last words you want to share with us today before we, before we end our episode? I've just been thinking about the passage in Philippians 3 that talks about I've compared, or I consider everything a loss compared mm-hmm. to surpassing worth of knowing jesus and i mean yeah if i had to summarize just in one sentence or one passage i think that would be it that it's worth it you know it really is worth it and Mm. i feel so young and um like i've lived hardly any life but yeah i mean just the perspective of like okay i really have been deliberately intentionally following jesus for a decade yeah done some really hard things and experienced some hard things, experienced tragedy and loss and transition and pain and sacrifice. And it is worth it, you know, mm-hmm. to to know Jesus. And from that place of the overflow of love in our hearts to help others know him as well. Yeah. I mean, he's the greatest yeah. treasure on this planet and yeah. he's not to be withheld. So it's worth it. And I mean, I, I know that there are so many people hundreds and thousands and even millions of people on planet earth today who would say the same thing but just yeah. to add our voice to that chorus yes. and amen. encourage us all to pursue him with our yeah. whole hearts amen yeah. well thank you guys for just sharing some of your story it's so helpful and um for everybody watching just grateful for tuning in and again my encouragement is just you know Everyone has their own story, and God's going to take you on a journey. And but His ultimate desire is for you to know Him uh, and and to really make Him known. So again, thanks guys for being here. Appreciate y'all. Thankful for you, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>